Can you say the word mafia in your town? Yeah, well, see, the thing with mafia is we have this this idea that mafia is, you know, the um, you know guy in a in a pinstripe suit and a hat, but it it means more in Italian. It means like any type of corruption. So like you know you you go for a job interview and they say oh, I'm sorry we can't take you and then you realize that it's like the cousin or whatever got the job instead. You say oh it's like a mafia. So we, we use maf they use mafia a lot like in a very general sense as well. So you can you, use it, yeah. So it's what's like the it, it, it covers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she's just a fascist. Said <laughs> so calmly. <laughs> No, but, but literally, literally, like her party is the remnants of the the, the Italian fascist party. Like brothers. Her Italy. first public speech, I believe, was in one of Mussolini's towns that he constructed with Mussolini's granddaughter. Yeah, and then seeing that going, oh yeah, she's great. <laughs> but it's like there recently there was um, a commemoration called the Foibe, which was mm. a horrible period where they um, so j- during the fascist regime, what there was these like sinkholes and what the the fascists would do is they would um round up partisans and throw them into throw their throw them and sometimes their families into these sinkholes what dead or alive no 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 well actually sometimes alive they tie them together and just push the first one and the and the others would fall in and then you'd fall down to the bottom and you'd end up with broken bones or whatever and you just die at the bottom so when the when the fascists lost when it like when the regime ended um, the partisans ended up rounding up fascists and their families and doing the same to them, which, you know, an eye for an eye sort of thing. Now, in Italy, during the Civil War, it was really, really, really grim, really horrible. Um, but Meloni came out recently, just a few days ago, and she she posted on Facebook, I think it was, or on Twitter, uh, a story of a girl who was thrown into one of these foibe, one of these holes. Recently. No, 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 no. During, I think it was in 1943. So it was a commemoration of this event where people were thrown in. Um, and she she posted on social media the story of a girl who, young girl who ended up being thrown into this. Of course, she didn't put in the context that this was a girl who was a member of the fascist party. And um, Oh, it wasn't optional, was it? Was it optional to be a member of the fascist party? No, no, it was optional. She, she actually, um, see, because what happened was in 1943 when the Italian state switched over to join the Allies... Um, there was a hunt for the fascists and this this girl was um, believed to be a fascist and she said yeah I'm a fascist I fully support the fascist regime and um, the partisans decided okay well we know how to deal with that and um, she was I, I don't agree with throwing people into a bloody hole mm-hmm. but uh, but that, that was the consequence of that because um, I think her father was a I don't remember her father was a member of the party as well and uh, it was she 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 said, yeah, I support the party as well. And she was thrown. If she had said no, she said, no, uh, I'm against the regime. She would have been okay, as far as I know. Mm. But Maloney held her up as, you know, a young person standing up for her beliefs. She didn't mention anything about fascism or anything. And she criticized, Maloney criticized the, the partisans for throwing people in, which is correct. But you also have to remember that the fascists did things, horrible things as well, mm. which... Uh, Maloney is uh, is ignoring. Of course, you know, yeah, that's just the nature of things. It's no different to what we've got over here. They just yeah. you know pick and choose and cherry pick. I mean, I've said it on this program about million like 
not a million times, but a fair number of times, when you use the word invasion, which Cameron and Braverman have used to describe migrants, you're literally taking language out of Mein Kampf. That's terrible. And yeah, it's like everywhere within Europe at the moment. I told, I told you about my meeting with one of Viktor Orban's right-hand men. No, tell us about that. <laughs> I can't say too much of how I met him for a variety of reasons. But I can say I met one of them, high rankers, and it's for a job interview. And we're all sat around a dinner table and I finally get to meet the guy. So I've been introduced to managers and so forth at this point, but I hadn't been introduced to him. And he turns up and you can see the, the atmosphere changed and he sat down, seemed really polite, spoke fluent English, really interesting guy. At least that was my initial impression. And um, he went, I don't know, we're half an hour in and we're, we've been talking about football. We've been talking about all sorts and hungry and my thoughts of hungry and how I like it. And all of a sudden he goes, I feel really sorry for, for you guys in England. I said, what do you mean? And he went, well, London, you know, is a bit of a, bit of a mess at the moment, isn't it? I said, well, what, what part? So it's just before the calm wins. And he went, well, you know, you've only got a Jew and a, a Muslim to choose from. And, you know, it seems that London's gone to, gone to pop. So, <laughs> <laughs> there'd been an incident the day before right which again i can't talk too much about but basically i've been told to remove stuff from social media because if i didn't there's a good chance i'd be chased out the country <laughs> so just to set the the precedent of what i'm in and aware of at this point so i'm going i just i was very british in my response <laughs> and i said no that's not the problem I said, that's that's not the issue that you seem to have at the moment. I said, the issue that you're concerned about is extremism. That's the issue that you're having. And that, you know, we should all be concerned with any level of extremism. And I said, there's extremism in every single group. I said, there's extremism within Christianity. Look at some of the stuff that's taking place over the United States with extremist religious groups. So it's not that. That's not your issue. Your issue is extremism. Everyone went fucking silent because I don't think people like normally talk to him like that. And he paused and went, okay. And that's it. That's all he said. Uh, but there was a nod there. And it was just apparently he wanted to employ me. But as soon as I heard that, I was like, I ain't working for you. <laughs> Fuck that. Total twat. Who says that within half an hour of meeting someone fucking randomly? Do you know what I mean? Like, so when, we, when I was asking you about the mafia stuff, when I was living in Sicily, I said it out loud. I said the word mafia out loud to friends. And I, cause no, it hadn't come up in conversation. I hadn't brought it up. It was just a natural flow of the conversation. I think we, we were talking about the Godfather having been filmed near to where I was staying and other locations that you could go to. And I said, well, you know, is that is mafia an issue over here? <laughs> and I went, what? And they were like, don't say that word out loud in public. So I was like, Really? And, they, and I thought that for a second, I was like, are they joking? Mm -mm. No, no, no. They were like, you don't say that word in public, which is fascinating. Because, I mean, you it sounds like in the north, it's a joke. And down the south, it's like... No, it's quite we... serious. Mm. <laughs> no, and, and, and I understand why uh, maybe in Sicily, because there has been over the last number of years, last number of decades, an attempt to take back from the mafia, to take back 
like for example land so there's been land that's been reclaimed and now it's um it's turned into farmland that um is run by charities and you can buy vegetables fruit and vegetables it's all you know ecological it's all by um, um uh, organic and stuff like this and it's uh, it's about taking back from the mafia and it's been a bit of a success story well you know we tend to look at sicily as you know the home of the mafia and that's really where it sort of began but it's sort of moved out uh, out there and it's even moved in some cases to the north of italy but in sicily it seems that um there were in the late 90s i think early 2000s there was a massive pushback against them because people realized look you know we can't start businesses here we can't attract uh, investment we can't see infrastructure being put like you know th- a big problem for the the south of Italy was that you know money was being pumped into build infrastructure whatever, and then the the mafia were winning the contracts because of the connections to politicians and whatever, and um, you'd literally have bridges to nowhere. You'd have a bridge that would arrive halfway across a you know a ravine or whatever and stop there because the money had finished, or you had um, you know substandard uh, materials <clears throat> being used. But and this this really undermined. Um, investment in in the south for example there were cases of you know you go to to sicily set up a business and within a few days you know somebody would come around and say okay you need to pay the pizza you know you have to pay the protection money and if you don't well you know you won't have a business anymore um smash it yeah they'll burn it down uh and if you pay to (laughs) us you'll be protected from the others so there would be gangs where if you know if you if you don't pay to us or we pay us and we'll protect you from the other gangs it's not just we'll protect you from us we'll protect you from other gangs and and you know every every month you'd have to pay a thousand euros or two thousand euros to to the mafia to for for protection either from them or from others um that's sort of ended now i I don't know how much it's still in, in place but it seems to be more in other parts of italy but in general um in sicily i think they've really turned things around uh, because the people have stood up. People have said, no, we don't want any more of this. You know, we're being undermined by that. In the same way, we would hope that people would stand up to the Tories. <laughs> Just saying, yeah. enough is enough. <laughs> enough is enough. Well, it seems like it's heading that way. I think, can we call them Tories anymore? Or do we have to call them UKIP? <laughs> I think, yeah, no, no, it's, it's amazing how, like, you saw there Nigel Farage dancing with Pretty Patel. <laughs> Have they not, you know, are they are, are they not UKIP anymore? Like, are they not UKIP at this stage? If if UKIP are now the Tories, does that mean Labour are Conservatives? <laughs> Maybe. I've got, I've got five policies here that I can ask you and see if you can tell me if they're UKIP, Conservative or both. Go ahead. Do UKIP and the Tories have the same policy on the Australian immigration system? Uh, yes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Deregulation of planning. I would say I would say that's both a UKIP and uh, Tory policy. Correct. Shrinking the civil service. Both. Correct. <laughs> Climate change policy is bad and needs to be scaled back. Until recently, I would say just UKIP, but I'm edging towards both. <laughs> Correct. Both of them. Leaving, yes. Yep. Leaving ECHR. Ah, uh, definitely. Uh, well. Definitely UKIP, but see, it's hard to know whether it's a Tory policy or it's just something that a few Tories are banging on about. Because Suella Braverman has been talking about it, but I don't know if it's official policy because Rishi Sunak has hasn't said anything about it. So I would say just I, I would say just UKIP at the moment. Correct. The climate change stuff. I, I was digging around the OBR 
uh, report because I was doing a I was looking at Rishi's five pledges and whether or not he completed them. And the OBR report was fascinating because I think it explains why they've done their policies. So the OBR report is going, we're in a lot of deep doo-doo and we need a long-term plan. And what does Rishi bring out? Literally at the conference, long-term. That's that's our goal. That's our thing. So you go, okay. And then it says, we need to get everyone working that's on benefits. Well, okay, Jeremy Hunt comes out and says, right, we're going to get everyone that's capable of working to work. End of. And go, okay, so that's another thing. And then I was looking at, at the very bottom, it was really interesting, actually. In the document, I did a, I searched for key terms. Do you know how many times Brexit came up? Zero. Three. Ah, okay. <laughs> but it admits that Brexit's been a problem. But that's it. That's it. Which is fascinating in itself because you're going, well, if it's a problem, then what is your solution to that yes. problem? But it doesn't go into any detail about how to resolve it. It's just that it's an issue and it places it up there with Ukraine and, and COVID, which it is. I mean, it's caused that level of damage. But the OBR report uh, at the very end talked about cars and it said that well, the, we take in 25 billion in petrol tax, which blew my mind. And they're going, oh, my God, if we lose that because everyone's going into electric vehicles, then how do we recoup it? Tax the wealthy? Tax the wealthy? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, can't do that. That's silly. Remember, the, the wealth has to trickle down. <laughs> Breadcrumb bread crumb economics. <laughs> Have some crumbs. Well done. <laughs> it's too much for me. Have a bit. Of... Fucking horrendous. But it's 25 billion. So I reckon Sunak has extended that. Not because of net zero. I've got, like, I don't like giving them any credit, but it seems like they are going in the right direction with getting us down. I can't, you know, you can argue they could go quicker, fine, but it's going down. And we could also complain that, you know, if you look at the last 300 years, we pumped out way more than China ever will. China's got 53% renewable electric. They yeah. beat their target by two years. Now, a big, big concern now in Europe is how there's going to be a flood of um chinese electric vehicles and and they're not low quality ones they're really high quality ones like tesla level ones are they yeah yeah no no i have been re i've been watching a lot of um stuff online uh, youtube videos about um there's one called um uh, fully charged fully charged um podcast guy from Crichton from red dwarf he hosts it <laughs> um Are you serious yeah uh, oh, we're getting he, on. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to. Uh, so he hosts this um, uh, fully charged show and they do events and stuff like this. But they've been doing a lot of um, reviews into these electric vehicles and comparing them to, you know, European vehicles. And they say it's going to be terrible for Volkswagen, for example, because they're really be they're really behind the curve. Um, Europe is. Yeah, Europe is. Um, because we've been playing. We, I think a big problem for European manufacturers was that they were pushing back against these changes over the last 10 years and the chinese have actually gone you know okay let's invest everything we can into electric vehicles um into the technology into improving them and now that you now you're getting electric vehicle there's a chinese electric car which will be sold for less than ten thousand pounds now it's not a big car it's a small car it's about the size of a um a clio or something like that uh but it's um like ten thousand pounds for an electric car like about five or six years ago, this would have been impossible. So, you know, they, they can flood the market with this, and this is going to be really damaging for European manufacturers. Um, Amazing what you can do with slave labor. Yeah, but but it's also, if this is what we're achieving now, what's another five years? So um, it's going to be really disruptive. And as you said, it's £25 billion brought in 
through uh, revenue on uh, on taxes on uh, on petrol and diesel. So how are you going to recoup that? You'll have to look for it somewhere else. Well, you got to you got to bring a new style, new system of taxes. I mean, it makes sense to do the UBI stuff as well. Yeah. Um, the more I research it, and you can see that we're just getting so advanced in our technology that you're actually you you don't need um, a huge workforce. Or we're getting to that stage. We are getting to that stage where so much is just going to be replaced by robotics. It then makes you go, well, what should we be doing? Not maths, Rishi. <laughs> Not maths, you prat. I mean, I, I've been faffing around with ChatGPT. I've got mates that are using it, and they're all going, we can use it for coding. You just give a relatively vague instruction, and you can start to code and build computer games, for example, or images, which is nuts. But anyway, uh, we're, we're sidetracking from the, the environmentally friendly. Like, I did watch, this is interesting as well, I remember watching, and I hate to admit it, an episode of Top Gear when they went to China. And they were showing the cars, and they were going, the engineering's shit. This Mini, a Minging. The Mingy, it should be, yeah. It's it... the most <laughs> tragic-looking thing. It's like somebody it's has awful. described a Mini to someone on the telephone, all sent a really blurry facts. Yeah. Right, there we are, that's what it looks like. Like, when, they'll, when... they'll clearly make a copy of a Mini, but it isn't as good as an actual Mini. They're engineering a bit. So they've caught up. Maybe they watched that Top Gear episode. When, <laughs> you but when when was that Top Gear episode? Must have been a while ago. So he's been off Top Gear for it might, could it be a decade? So in ten years they've caught up. Yeah, no, no, no I, I remember stories about businesses. Um, th- there was a, a funny story I spoke to an Italian person about this, where they said um, they once went to China to to meet with a supplier. Uh, this was after some. The, the supplier had come to Italy to uh, for a meeting to to discuss whatever. And when they went to China to meet with the, the supplier, they noticed that the offices were very similar to theirs. What happened was the the Chinese um, delegation had come to Italy and had copied everything, even the location of the toilets. They had copied everything and then replicated it in China. Now, I think that was the case about 10 years ago. But if you look at some of the electric vehicles coming out, they are superior to what we have in Europe. And, um, you know, when it, if it comes to cost and it comes to quality, um, MG, for example, M- M- the MG4 is one of the best uh, electric cars out at the moment. And it's mm. it's for sale for about 20, 20 uh, I think about 22, 23,000 pounds um, above the average, of course. But you're getting a vehicle that, you know, you can if you have solar panels on your roof, you can charge at home, you can charge in, at the supermarket. And you don't pay road tax, you don't pay, you pay less in insurance. And then, of course, as you know, petrol and diesel are more expensive than before at the moment, um, you're paying less for fuel as well. You have a That's car. the way it is. Yes, I do. Um, what do you, what do you a, got? I got a, a Kia. It's diesel. It's about 12 years old. You polluter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But w- when, 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 it, when, it's old, when it's finished, uh, when it stops working, I'm, I'm going to replace it with probably an MG. Well, electric. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It seems like the way forward. I've been trying to go. It, it was interesting. I convinced my, my dad's not he's a bit environmentalist. I'll give him some credit. He's a bit not. Um, but when I pointed out to him, he could put solar panels on, they bring in an income. Bam, bam. That was, and we got him doing that 20, 20, 18 years ago. Because hmm. we were like, this is a moneymaker. It turns your house from an from a, a consumer of your funds to a producer, hmm. to a revenue earner. Which is quite unique. I mean, you've never been able to do that with houses before, but that's like a huge turnaround. Been up for 18 years, and I think we've had to change the batteries once. But you're going, look how much of an environmental standard. And you're also going, how much benefit would I have had to the whole of the UK if everyone had done that? 
there was a study done in 2014 for Lund that said if every single house that could have a solar panel on it did, we'd generate five gigawatts and we need 70 to run London. There you go. It's, it's and crazy. it's free. You know, in a, in a sense, it's free. Yeah, you pay it's for the, the installation, you pay for the material, but after that, it's all free. And uh, it's for itself. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I don't even think that included if you put it on rail stations, public bus stations, if you put them over car parks. I'm going, I mean, you, you know, you're getting to that point where you'd be able to start influencing the climate in London with yeah. that amount of reflection, either absorbing it and using it or pumping it back out into the into the sky. And it's free, as you said. And I don't understand why you wouldn't do that other than the Tories panicking. I mean, it says a lot, doesn't it? Rishi is just a mass person. He's not, he doesn't give a crap about the environment because if you're going to pass a policy like that and it's literally because you can't figure out a way of increasing your tax revenue and that's what you're panicking about whilst the world is literally but, but burning. Why, why is Rishi Sunak an MP? Why did he become an MP? Why did he become prime minister? Because power. I keep asking myself, but I, I don't even know if it's about power. I think it, I think it's just about enriching his family because his father-in-law um, is, is it the founder or co-founder or one of the, the top uh, wigs in um, Infosys, and they're standing to benefit from a lot, some of Rishi Sunak's policies. Uh, they're operating in, in Russia, I believe. Yep. Um, and no sanctions have been imposed upon them. So, like, what what is he there for? Like, he's not there because he cares about people, because he's not mm-hmm. pushing policies to help people. He's not there because he needs the money, <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, so why is he there? I, I honestly don't know. You don't think he could... I mean, I... I watched House of Cards, and there is a line in there. Money is the McMansion in Sarasota that starts falling apart after 10 years. Power is the old stone building that stands for centuries. And I think there's an element, you know, of... And you see it a lot in history with a lot of people that rose to power very rapidly, that part of the reason was to be remembered forever. Once you're prime minister, in theory, you'll be remembered forever. First Hindu prime minister. That is, you know... That's a that's a huge thing to to put in because you know you're the first. Yeah. Um. I think it's Disraeli as well who was the first Jewish prime minister for Britain. So again, you go remembered, more likely to be remembered forever. I'm sure there's quotes from Caesar, and I think there's a few quotes in Homer. Liz Truss, first lettuce, as prime <laughs> minister, or cabbage, not lettuce. Yes. How does she go? That was so disturbing as well. Let's, let, yeah, let's go on to the Tory conference. <laughs> so much disturbing stuff. Farage dancing with Patel. I don't even know where to begin with that. There was so much garbage. Was, was, was he invited or did he just turn up? He turned up, I think, is what he said. I remember seeing him on camera being like, it's the first one I've been to since, I think, 1983, 87. So you're going, wow, why are you here? <laughs> what are you up to? And then he was surrounded by people. And he, then he, he, was, he was the most popular it. person at the, <laughs> the convention, at the conference. Do you think he was more popular than Rishi? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. There, there was a poll done of uh, conservatives, uh, su- supporters. Who would, who did they want for prime minister? First was, of course, Rishi because he's he's in the job. Second was um, Penny Mordaunt, and third was Nigel Farage. What like the, Nigel Farage what? isn't even a member, <laughs> and a third it was like it was only like thirteen percent, but that's him just turning up and getting thirteen percent of the vote. Like ahead there of people, people who are taking photos with him. Kids, yeah. people from minority groups the, the, taking I, photos I, with him. That was quite disturbing. They, I couldn't tell if they didn't know anything about him or they just saw that. Do you know what I mean? You could see someone who's famous and you go, oh, he's a famous person, so I'll go and get my photo taken with him because everyone else is. It's always that possibility. Yeah. Or you see a crowd around some guy and you go, well, I'll go over to see. I don't know who it is, but... <laughs> 
It's like if you're at, you know, uh, Disneyland and you see a long queue for a ride, you say, well, that must be a good one. <laughs> so I'll join that queue. Hey, man, the line's this long. It's got to be good. Get bent. Oh, uh, I just think of Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> Seems so apt with that group. But it's disturbing. And it's like, there's rumours now kicking around that he'd run... I mean, I think someone asked him directly, would he join the Conservative Party now? I think he said it's more in line to my views. And you're going, he's never been elected. Look at the damage and power. But I'm also going, you know what? Go and join him because UKIP never got off the ground. And I'm seeing that you're just doing the exact same thing with the exact same policies that the majority of the population don't want. But didn't he leave UKIP because it had become too extreme? That's what he said, but he just (laughs) dumps people for... He clearly just uses you until you're no longer useful because he must have left a load of people that he claimed he was friends with in there and just dumped them yeah because how many of that that lot from ukip went over to the brexit party and reform and both brexit and reform slightly upgraded in the number of people they had i think ukip's got neil hamilton (laughs) still as a leader (laughs) absolutely useless uh i think the rejoining eu party just overtook them on on tiktok for number of subscribers which is interesting also, the Reform UK, um, sorry, Rejoin EU party beat uh, UKIP, or no, it was Reform UK, I think they beat at the, the last uh, by-election. They've been yeah. Greens, Lib Dems, Reform, UKIP they on several that. elections with no budget. But people keep saying, oh, you're useless. It's like, political parties don't happen overnight, and you can have up and down, I mean, look at the Conservative Party, look at the downturn they're on right now. And you're going, they're useless, they're a waste of space as a political party? I mean, come on. So it's really interesting to see that they're having these victories. It's never, politics is never an upward trend. It's always up and down. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is interesting to see that they beat beat a number of those parties. You know, they've lost to Count Binface. (laughs) Farage lost to a dolphin. It happens. It's embarrassing. It's not great, <laughs> but but I think I, I think he, I don't think he wants to run as an MP unless he's given like a safe seat or something. But I, I think what he wants to do is influence the party from the outside or to be some sort of consultant within the party. I think that's what he wants. He wants the attention. He wants the influence. He wants people coming to him saying, "Nigel, what should we do? What should we do?" And I think that's what he wants. If you notice with Reform UK, he hasn't really stepped in and uh, present like he's left it to Richard Tice, but the party isn't making any inroads anywhere. You know, they keep talking about how, well, we're you know, we're at eight percent or nine percent, but you're not really making any difference because you can be pumped by talk TV and GB News all you want. But they're, they're not going to they're not influencing um the conservatives. It seems to be Farage who's influencing the conservatives more than reform uh, not reform yeah reform uk couldn't you argue that they're taking votes away from the conservative party and if they're in swing states you know if a few hundred here or that i looked at uxbridge it was really interesting looking at the number of small parties in the bit because they, uh, they only won by 495 votes yeah and there were minority people standing on ulas who took 200 here 200 there thousand here and you're going that actually that scrapes away and actually makes it even harder. And you've got to take on you've got to they would have to consider taking on board some of the policies and going right if they're talking about ULES and that's an issue because that's that's what a lot of people cited as a reason for Rishi going into this sort of anti-environmental keep the petrol cars coming policy was the victory in ULES. But I've looked at the OBR report and I'm going no it's a tax and he's a numbers guy. I've, got, I've, I've said it before. I know people that knew him at uni and they all said he was a loan owner. Quite a boring person and not very good at table football. 
um and so you're you're going okay this seems to all add up there's a pattern here that you can start to see emerging and it's just he's the numbers guy i mean he's even said i want everyone learning maths and it's like if you look at educational policy when they're going we've now got a ai that can code and do all the mathematics then do you really need us or do you want us to be creative and then sort of the the computers doing the hard work the coders coding from computers doing the hard work and we being the creative outlet that's where you that's where most educational academics seem to be leading they're saying you need to do soft skills not this old school hard stuff yeah it's like it's like trying to go back to let's making things by hand when we have machines to do it It, it, and it's the same with the ai i think like the ai is going and but it's not even just in mathematics but it's like i've seen videos online where you had a lawyer proofread a document a legal document and then they had an AI do it. And the AI was able to find more legal mistakes, not talking about spelling mistakes or grammar mistakes, I'm talking about legal problems, um, was able to do it better than the lawyer. And, you know, if you can, if, you, if we're at that stage, um, you, need to be a, you need to be investing in the arts. You need to be investing in something that, that the AI can't really recreate um, to the same Which level. Which we do so well. Yes. Which Bryn does so well. Look at all the musicians that we pump out. It's crazy. That level of it, I mean, you go, are we riding on the fact American culture is a global? Arguably, we were actually first. We were bigger on the media stage than the Americans at one stage because we had Charlie Chaplin and we were producing films. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, music, the bands, the films that we produce, the art, the fashion. We're world leaders. And this lot don't take it seriously. No. they Like Thatcher thought it was all about the financial services. Mm. But what the Tories t- today believe in, I don't know. Like, what do they hold up as? The, Rishi Sunak mentions AI and he talks about new technologies, but you need to attract people. You need to attract investment. And with Brexit, you're, f- of course, blocking that off. It, it doesn't seem to, there doesn't seem to be a vision at all. And I'm a bit concerned also with the Labour Party because the Labour Party are not presenting any vision either. They're saying, like, we're not the Tories. They're not saying we're going to... Like, at least, you know, if you look at some of the 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 regions like um there yesterday i think it was um the the mayor of uh, manchester uh not not manchester liverpool um they brought in a, a a new bus service like where they're going to give the front the the I think it's the local government will give out franchises but they have but they're on the condition that you provide um services on routes that are non-profitable um this is a good change this is something that's going to help people but it's a small thing it's not a huge vision but I'm concerned that there's no real vision on either side. The Tories don't have any real vision and the Labour Party don't. The Labour Party just seem to be, we're not the Tories. Vote for us, we're not the Tories. But that's not enough. I, I, I would turn around and say, historically, you don't do your manifesto until the thing's announced. And then you just continue to research and listen and listen and listen. I mean, they've got their lead in the polls. Conservatives will go up a little bit. They'll also go down a little bit. Um, and, and that's the way of things. I don't think anything's going to change because everyone's so hacked off with them on so many levels. They've failed on, like, it, so they failed in Afghanistan. They failed in COVID. They failed on Brexit. What have they actually succeeded at? And then they go around blaming. They blame us. They <laughs> We put them in charge and they blame us, which is just nuts. Like, and th- that's all they do. That's their That's their go-to thing. And I don't see how they can really get out of it. But for Labour, I'd probably turn around and say, look, we've got a conference coming up, which is next week. That'll be interesting to see if they bring out some policies in that. I would say they might give overarching policies, but nothing specific. 
I would that would be my lean. And then it'll be when the election's declared, bam, there's a big manifesto which all of us all of us YouTubers will just go through with a fine tooth comb and go, you can look at the website and see some of the policies on there. I mean, you know, I've looked at the education policy because it's a bit of a passion of mine and I'm gone, it's crap. There's nothing in there. It's just crap. It's, you know, there's nothing in there that's going to do anything for anyone. And they, again, it feels a bit numbery because they had the private school thing, didn't they? Mm. With the private schools where they were going, oh, we're going to tax all the private schools. And I'm going, okay, good. We'll get rid of that institution because it doesn't seem fit for purpose. In the modern era, and then they backtracked, and they've gone. Well, if it's cha- if it's sta- if it's registered as charity, then it's fine. I've I've been in that system. It doesn't work as a charity. It works on the league tables. It works on how your A level results are going to go. It doesn't care about you as a person, or or at least that's my anecdotal experience, and from what I've heard from other people, it's uh, obviously there's exceptions to every story. So I'm, I'm putting all those little caveats in. But generally, I'd say what they're really interested in is how. It, promotes the school because it's run like a business even if it says it's a charity um you know i'm not aware of too many schools that go against that maybe the steiner schools seem to go against that policy i'd say that they're they're an exception but in general it's just a money game so it's run like a business and so you're like well the primary focus should be on the education of the student and their welfare that's it but it's not (laughs) it's not and you look you look at finland and you look at the way their schools are set up over there and i think it is a blanket ban over there for for how blanket ban for private schools and you look at their state schools and it's like wow i think i was look, I was i was geeking out on norway and looking at their i think they spend double per student than we do over here in norway i, I, I would never see britain cancel, um eliminating private education it's there's also the class issue, I think, as well. No, absolutely. But then, it, 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 so I was talking to someone about this the other day. You've got this system that's entrenched that's really difficult to get out. So, it, if you looked at our tax system, there's a really interesting article in the Financial Times on it. It's and you start to realize how it works. And if you're around people that have told you how it works, then it confirms what was said in the Times. But it's literally like once you've reached a certain wealth threshold and you figure out the system, it's totally encasing you and protecting you. And historically, that's, you know, no different. You look back in 1812, 1815 at the Corn Laws, a bunch of farmers are in the House of Lords. They don't want corn to get cheap after the Napoleonics, so they stick on tariffs. It's not about the people, it's about their profits. And you're going, well, I don't see any difference with the landlords. Yeah. We've got 122 landlords in the Conservative Party, and they don't want big reforms. But you look at the landlord system and the freehold system, and it's it's set up like it's like out, out the feudal system and th- <laughs> and this is the thing that gets me with all of it i'm going let's say you have a movement and you've got the youth and they're not going to the conservative party and they're going in a socialist direction because they're going well the capitalist system doesn't work uh and you know we're starting to see more and more people come out and say they're communist on you know on youtube and social media and you you get why because they're going well the system's failed this is why no one's going to the Conservative Party. No one's having kids. No one's having money. And so you go in this direction where you're going, one, I see if they go for the UKIP stance, they're doomed. And they already have. And the youth aren't going with it. And socially, they're not going with it. And financially, they're not being benefited by it. So why would you go with it? And you're going and looking at the um, issues that have taken place in society. I find that we're going to have this big clash where you've got this group wanting change, but you've got this embedded wealth culture and with all these laws behind them, and they will just funnel millions into someone who's going to protect their vested interest. That's how it's been happening for a long time now. You know, you, you have multimillionaire donors cons- giving money to the Conservative Party and the Conservatives are turning around and giving them whatever they want. 
like there as you, when you brought up landlords there was i think it was about there was, so there was a, a a vote in 20 in sorry in 2013 that homes should be fit for human habitation and the tory landlords voted against it so that was just a minimum standard it wasn't that they had to be a very high standard just a minimum standard and uh, the vote the the tories in parliament voted against that because they're landlords they don't want any change so it, my big problem with politics of course is money as long as there's money in it um, you're going to have inter- you're going to have certain interests having more influence over um the voters because you know you you can go out and vote for a policy but if somebody else comes along and pumps money into a political party um they're going to have a say they're going to be able to decide policy not you that's it that's it and you've got a lot of power once you're in parliament but you know we, we talked about labor there was loads of talk about proportional representation the labor membership wants proportional representation and starmer goes no <laughs> i don't want it even if it's to our advantage and there's you go reform the house of lords then and make that proportion no and you go, well at well, first he had said that he was going to abolish the house of lords then he said well we're going to actually reform it and now i don't know if it's still on the on the table absolute power is absolutely corrupting yeah. And he can see that he's in, or he thinks he is. I mean, May dropped a twenty point lead, didn't she? <laughs> was the dementia tax that she had brought? Is that she was leading, and then she brought in the dementia tax, and then uh, it was a, it was about forcing people who have um, uh, elderly people to to be to pay for their own um, social care. I think it was. So it was at the last minute that the Tories brought in in twenty seventeen. I think it was. Uh, yeah, before the, just before the election in 2017, Theresa May was leading in the polls. She said, okay, let's have our general election now. And then she brought in a policy where, I believe it was, uh, where people, elderly people would end up having to sell their homes to pay for social care. And mm. of course, it, <laughs> um, you know, it you almost saw a Jeremy Corbyn government at that stage. Massive drop in the polls for the Tories. But then it they recovered it in 2019 with get Brexit done. Don't don't attack your base, and their base is over 60. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, they still don't get it. But again, you, as you said, let's see what what Starmer comes up with. It's waiting for that manifesto to come out. I mean, there's old ones that you can look at, and there's like pledges and everything else that's been put onto the website, so you get a rough idea. But again, we can also see that he's quite flexible. He's going, well, that's not going to work, or we can't do that, or you know, I assume with the private schools, they'll tax the private ones but the charities they won't and it's in part because they've realized they can't do a big shift because they wouldn't be able to take the number of students that would come out of the private sector is the argument but you also go these people are already quite rich is two grand really anything to them or is it like 20 quid to the rest of us do you know what i mean it may be 20 quid's too much for us <laughs> <laughs> no but but it, but it is it's just yeah we're going to impose vat on them but their businesses like uh, the argument, of course, is, well, if uh, you're going to have thousands of uh, students move from uh, private education into state schools, but I don't see that really happening. I think it's just another project fear. <laughs> um, mm. you, I think you will see some, but, you know, if, if you're already sending your kids to private schools, you're going to make, you know, you've made a decision to sacrifice on other things. Maybe, you know, you say, OK, we're not going on holiday three times a year. We'll go on holiday once a year or we'll cut back on something else, you know. If if that's what you're doing, I'm I'm not talking about really rich people. I'm just talking about people who are, who are making making a sacrifice. You know, an extra few thousand. Yeah, you're going to make another sacrifice because your priority is sending the kids to private schools. You're not going to pull them out. I was out with friends the other day, and there were a couple of people I didn't know, and some of these friends were saying that they had to leave war torn areas when they were growing up 
and how difficult it was and you know you know the hardships of it and then one of the guys that i didn't know piped in and said yeah hardships are so difficult this year we're only going on one skiing holiday <laughs> she's like what <laughs> we're going to cortina not switzerland it's 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 so depressing <laughs> oh the little fiddle <laughs> But it, it's like, I don't think an extra two grand is going to make, is it going to make much of a difference if you're only already earning that level? I mean, the average, I think the average fee is 10K. It was interesting because going back to the Tory conference and Mog coming out and saying, oh, we want people back on, we're protecting motorists. And Richie saying, well, we're protecting motorists. And you're going, and, and, and there's that argument, uh, and we're protecting the poor, the poor are being helped here. And you're sort of going, okay, so how much does it cost to run a car? So the average use of a car in the UK is 12,000 miles. So you go, right, that's about 1,400 at current petrol prices um, per year. And then you start adding on MOT and tax and insurance and breakdown cover if you want it, and you probably should. Then you're going parking. Parking probably costs most of us about a grand a year. And you're going, you add that all up without buying the car. Because this, this ban that they're bringing in is only for selling a brand new cars. It's not anything to do with second hand or anything, which we've been kicking around for years. They're basically saying for an extra five years, we're going to sell these brand new petrol cars, which poor people can't afford. So you're going, that's 6K to maintain and run a car like that. Plus what? Anywhere between 10 and 25 for a, yeah, for the car itself. For a brand new car? You're going, well, this isn't about the poor then. What are you talking about? It's about what, protecting you know, themselves or protecting their friends. Or pretending, this is the big thing, it's about pretending to be on the side of the poor when in reality they're on the side of the rich. It's the same with when it comes to, um, for example, welfare. They'll say, you know, we need to punish people who are, you know, gaming the system uh, when they're not actually gaming the system, they're actually relying on benefits. We need to punish people who are not working, people who can't work or who are being offered jobs that don't actually, you know, help them make ends meet. Like, you know, somebody could be on benefits and they're saying, okay, here's a job that you need to spend like two hours every day traveling to and you're going to earn like less than minimum wage or something like that. Like, you know, you're not going to be able to pay your rent. You're not going to be able to pay your bills and you're going to be away from your family. So you're going to end up having to find some, you know, somebody to look after the kids or whatever. And it's not it's not feasible. So you're, you're going to have to say no. But under what they, what they're pushing is, well, we're going to force you to do it because we need to recoup all these costs of people, you know, on benefits. Instead of actually looking at tax evasion <laughs> or tax avoidance, closing the loopholes on tax avoidance and clamping down on tax evasion. But they don't do that because, well, you know, it doesn't serve their interests. Because some of them are probably avoiding tax themselves. Rishi probably is. Yes. He's probably paying 22, 23% tax. Whereas a doctor he's, he's, paying, he's, he's paying less tax probably than his cleaner. Yeah. No problem with that, though. No. It's cleaners. Shocking. I mean, the uh, well, I want to talk a little bit about America if we've got a bit of time, which I think we do. But we're in competition with the EU. They've said no to the electrical vehicle tax tariff coming down. I think a lot of naivety is being said by Labour and the Conservatives thinking in 25 we can renegotiate. But it's not, that's not what the EU have said. It's not a renegotiation. No, it's a review. It's a renewal. Yeah, it's a review. So unless, you can, unless you've got the skills of a Ferengi, you're not going to be able... <laughs> 
to negotiate your way out of this. I don't think they do have the skills of the Ferengi. I, you know, I've heard trade negotiators say they don't want to represent the UK because their job is based on their success rate. And we've seen what they, they had. Have been like. Just to give you an example, they had one of the best negotiators. He was actually a British guy who was working for the European Union. He offered mm. his services during the negotiations for the, I think it was for the TCA between the EU and the UK. And um, the Brexiteers said, no, we don't want him because he's a Remainer. So he was, he was, he was refused. He said, I'm going to work for you. I don't know if he said he'd work for free, but he said, I will, you know, this is a guy that the EU was using as a negotiator. So somebody with a massive amount of ability. Inside knowledge. And inside knowledge and everything. And he could have been used, but he, he, was, re- he was rejected. So they put in charge somebody like David Davis, who We've- didn't know one end of a pen from the other. Like it's turn up with a paper and pen. Although uh, I, I have been, I have raised that before, and somebody said that this was because um, he did actually, but it was he had left it behind in another office when they did the photo shoot. I don't know. That's that's one of the arguments. Um, <laughs> that's one of David Davis' arguments. <laughs> Maybe, but but if the EU is investing huge amounts in. AI in um, electric vehicles and the US as well and China, then you need to be part of one of those. And you can't be so, you can't be a member of the United States. Britain can't be a member of the United States. It can't be part of China. So it makes sense to be part of the EU. You can only go two routes. You go free trade and you go luxury goods and services, or you go protectionist and you rebuild your industry and you have it all internalized. And both seem horrendous ideas. And the Brexiteers Britain, are like, Britain, yeah, Britain is not Switzerland. This is the no. thing. Or Singapore. It, it, this is, you know, it's a massive economy. It's a massive country. You c- this is the thing that really frustrates me about the Brexiteers. They were like, yeah, we, we can be like Switzerland. But no, you don't know what Switzerland is like <laughs> if you're comparing Britain to Switzerland. Or we can be like Norway. Norway, the economy in Norway is completely different. And also the approach to the export exportation of energy and stuff like that is completely mm. different. So the, yeah. the politics is different. The, the economy is different. But people... Brexiteers in particular look at, oh, look at Switzerland, they're really rich. Look look at Norway, they're really rich. We can be like that. Not understanding the country themselves or the relationship they have with the EU. Uh, you can see that in the cultural difference just within education. Education is one of our greatest resources. Youth population is one of our greatest resources. And they just, I think it comes back to that class thing. Teachers try hard. They don't get the resources that they need. And I think the Tories just look at it as like, well, they'll rise to the top if they do, whether or not we put those resources what's hap- in. What's happening with the rack? It's gone off the the radar, but there are schools. Has, isn't it? But it's but the schools quiet. are still uh, crumbling. Well, Students to be fair, are... there's so much crazy news on at the moment. Yeah, like the Tory conference was nuts. It was unhinged over and over again. It was unhinged and, and nonsensical. I mean, no one was turning up to their conference. That was a talking point. Did you see the interviews where they were asking people about relationships they had as soon as they announced they're a Tory? People dumped them as friends and partners. No, I didn't see that. There were quite a few people being interviewed about that, saying how lonely it was to be a conservative. And it's like, well, isn't that a hint? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm being like... really horrible to everyone around me and nobody likes me. Or I'm supporting a, a, a regime that's really horrible to people and nobody likes me. Why is that happening? Crazy, isn't it? I, I don't know if you saw the interview with the young guys. Um, there were some of them look like Boris Johnson clones. <laughs> Maybe Boris was, you know... Getting up, getting it about, um, but uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of them he came up with. He was like, you know, um, I'm, I can't vote Labour because they're going to, you know, they're not going to look after young people because young people can't get homes and they can't get jobs and they can't. And 
and the interviewer i think it was from the new was it the news agents podcast he was like yeah but the Tories have been in power for the last 13 years. And he said, yeah, but the pandemic, it was the pandemic's fault. I'm, I'm okay. going to actually say that this issue to really taken place, I think, since 1947 and 57, I think it's the Country and Land Act, where you see this complete decline in house building in the UK, and it's never recovered. And, I mean, I, I unless Labour come out and say, we're going to push out 3D printers and set a massive target, and we're going to run it as a government. I don't see it happening. But it was. I don't think they've got the finances to do that. It's, it's one of the reasons why they did the, the private oil exploration. It would have made sense. If you're going to do that, and I don't agree with it, but if you're going to do that, it would make sense for the state to do it, and then you could pump all the money into a sovereign wealth fund, yeah. like they have in Norway. This is one of the reasons Norway's rich. Small population, huge amounts of natural resources, and someone had the bright idea of building a sovereign wealth fund. And we haven't done that. You can argue over whether or not it would do be you, successful. Do you know that in Norway, um, petrol and diesel cars are more expensive than electric cars? Yes. Because of the tax, they put a huge amount of tax on them. So it's cheaper to buy an electric car. But they produce a huge amount of oil, which they sell. So they, as you said, they've created this um, sovereign wealth fund so that when the oil runs out or when it becomes no longer feasible, well, they have a rainy day fund and they can... That's uh, what they had with COVID. Yeah. We had to borrow... They just took it from the sovereign wealth fund, from my understanding. So they didn't have to borrow. That's what they're in credit. If you look at their, we're in debt. They're in credit, which is also a good. It's a basic business. You've got cash. You loan it out. You get the interest rate back, and you can do it through the sovereign wealth fund or through the government. Over here, it's like, no, no, no. Got to be always in debt. We don't have credit because that means we've taxed too much. It's like no, no. Use that money to then alleviate problems in the future. Like you can look at it historically. I think Athens had it. It, it like they had a they had excess gold. For a rainy day fund, oh, and which then I think the, you know, if you sold the, it like that, people would go for. Yeah, and and then during the the Ukraine war, what when Europe was trying to wean itself off Russian oil and gas, it was going to Norway and saying, Norway, can you give us some excess? And they're like, Yeah, sure, <laughs> no problem. Uh, we'll charge you a, a bit for it. But and then unfortunately for the UK, because they were outside, they they had to join the queue behind the EU. Well, if it because, was a member, yeah. then it would have been able to take advantage of that as well. That was in the OBR report as well, actually, about gas and saying we need to wean ourselves off it. But the, but then there's come back. It comes back to this protectionist versus free trade. So the Brexiteers are like, oh, we'll just go free trade and get it in from all over the world. It's like, well, what if the world says no? What if one section of the world goes right? You, we know that we give you forty percent Ukraine. We're going to cut it off unless you give us a better trade deal. What are you going to do? Where are your where's your deck of cards now? Where's Gun your base? Ace? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of charges, you've seen the charges that are taking place with Trump and. And the pillow guy. <laughs> I, I heard about Trump, but I haven't seen the pillow. The pillow guy. What? What is? He's a political strategist for the Republican Party or something, is he? I, I think this that's is a so. Like, he's a Republican. Might, but I, he he's he advertised like I don't know very much about him, but I know that he he runs a pillow company and he 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 advertised. Like, it's a very American thing where the owner of the company or the CEO will do the advertising. Be like, mm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the owner, of the, and it's a way of creating this sort of trust between the company and the consumer. But it, it's really corny. But it's a really American thing. No offense to any Americans watching this, but <laughs> it, 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 it would play really weird, I think, in Europe if you had something like maybe apart from IKEA, IKEA, IKEA. Steve Jobs. Oh, Steve Jobs, maybe. Uh, but, but I think it's a little bit. But anyway, tell me, tell us about uh, the pillow guy. <laughs> So he's a multi... Oh, God, his story is fascinating. He was a crack and heroin addict and now a multi-millionaire. 
uh, or from selling pillows. And he has claimed that people approached him over the elections being rigged and provided him with evidence, which he's been claiming for, what is it now, four years that he can provide that evidence and has never actually shown it. He even had a conference where he was like, this is the evidence. And a lot of analysts were looking over it and like, there's nothing here. <laughs> he was showing coding and they were looking through the coding and they're like, there's nothing in the coding that shows that there was any fraud. I don't understand what you're talking about. And he's been a backer of Trump. And there's lots of evidence to show that he's been into the White House and talked to Trump directly whilst he was president. Big backer, big financial backer and everything. And obviously gone down this route that the elections were rigged. Um, well, he's now gone bankrupt. And we know that because he's announced it that in court that his he can't afford his lawyers anymore. He's got no more money. <laughs> but he turned around and claimed that his lawyers would work for him for free. <laughs> and the lawyers are like, what the fuck are you talking about? All the lawyers we have for my pillow and uh, myself in the lawsuits with the lawfare with Dominion and Smartmatic, they... Uh, just filed in federal court that uh, to drop uh, to drop us as our attorneys, and um, and this comes from uh, the lawfare basically, and from the media. The attacks on my pillow, what American Express did, uh, to take just devastating our credit, and we I we have to I, I can't pay the lawyers. We can't pay. There's no money left to pay them. It's like when Trump was putting out a request for donations like he claims i'm a billionaire i don't you know i i when i become when i before he became president he was like you know i can't be corrupted because i'm a billionaire and then you know he's now asking for money from his donor from his supporters to help pay his legal fees like, well, i, I just... know lawyers are expensive but the, <laughs> surely if you're a billionaire you can afford them but hasn't he he's lost the case in new york hasn't he i haven't been following it because i'm just it's waiting so for him to be put in prison and then we can go okay now let's move on because it, it just seems to be an, an endless saga and unfortunately his support is increasing that's the worrying thing but about it i i can't see it increasing beyond a certain point do you know what i mean i can't see him winning not at this stage i don't he's know. just been hammered I every know, but, single but, time but he'll have his core i don't think the core numbers no no no, no they're, they're but he won't not, get the switch and you have to have the swing votes to be able to win as president. That's that's what but, you need. But what what do people generally think of Biden at the moment? Are they happy with what he's doing? You, like, I think Bill Maher really summed it up quite well when he was like, "You've got a geriatric and an insane person. Who do you pick?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, America! Like you've got three hundred and sixty-seven million people, and <laughs> those are your two presidential candidates Ron DeSantis is growing um but Trump won't meet him in the debates won't turn up because Trump's going I don't need to I only use it as a tool which is fair enough I, I you know I go okay politically that makes a lot of sense um you can also turn around and go you still got to be elected through the Republican Party so it depends on how well the Republican Party members take to the fact that he hasn't turned up for one of the debates I mean yeah. he I think he's going to have to do one debate just to make sure he gets over the line. But I've got a funny feeling he won't and they'll just turn up and people will vote for him. Yeah. Because the Republican Party have done... The, it's really interesting, actually. I hadn't thought about this, but the Republican Party being taken over by Trump and it looks like conservatives have been taken over by Farage. UKIPers or Faragists. <laughs> yeah. Is that a word now? Have we just created a new word? Faragists. I think so. But he's in a lot of trouble. And the, I mean, he, he came out... He, he, the judge is the one to make a decision. He came out on TV. He's done this twice as well. He came out on TV and called him corrupt. And you're like, you've got to get him on side. 
<laughs> you're slacking him off. But, but wasn't there a gag order on him? And then within minutes, he he breached it. Yeah. Yeah. Calling him corrupt. So he, there was something before that, slagging off the jury, I think it was, uh, the, the judicial system and the courts. And then he came out again. <laughs> After being told not to, but is, is he job. nuts, or or does he just think that this is a political strategy and it it will work in some way? I think he's nuts, and he thinks it'll work in some way. I think it's both. I don't. I don't see. But also, I think a, a big problem with people like him is he surrounds himself with people who agree with him, people who are grifters, who know that if I, you know, if I attach my myself to this bandwagon i can make some money out of it so if you're an advisor to trump you're not going to tell him actually you shouldn't do that you say yeah yeah continue down that road because as long as you know it may it'll all come crashing down but at least i've made some money in in the meanwhile um yeah i I think this is the problem and he surrounds himself with people who just say yes 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 sir yes sir and um they're giving him really bad advice but i still have this fear that he's going to win because um People, and I keep saying this, it's not a vote for Trump. It's a vote against Biden. So I don't know what what the general public think about Biden at the moment. And there's also this fear, I have this fear of nostalgia. People have this sort of nostalgia because if you look at why did Trump lose, it was because of COVID and because of his handling of COVID. I think that was Mm. the main reason. Mm. People didn't really care about the corruption. People didn't care about the economy that much. It was about COVID. And he was like, you know, this guy is not dealing with it correctly. We need somebody serious. This is a serious pandemic. And which is, that's gone now. Which so, is strange because he was ahead of the curve. He was saying, right, we're banning all flights from China. And then yeah. just sat on his ass, from what I can tell. Yeah. And didn't, didn't, do, didn't move quick enough. And then just threw it over to the States. And it's like, right, so you're in charge. You throw it in the States. Fine. You, we can argue over that with the Constitution. It's the Ninth Amendment, rights of the States. If it's not in the constitution, then it's their rights. And you go, okay, in that situation, great. But it also means their success is your successful failure. Yeah. So if they fail, you're going to get the, get and it in the was, yeah, and then you're the one blame- that gave it to them. Yeah, and then he was just blaming the states and then he was blaming the public and then he was blaming the Democrats and he was blaming... So he was like he was like a Tory blaming everyone but himself. <laughs> but the public were like, you need to do something. You, you need to lead. And he wasn't leading. And I think that's wasn't so much that people came out in, in droves for, for Biden. It's like, we don't want Trump anymore. And that's my fear with what will happen at the next election. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I have this fear that um, turnout will be low and the only people who will turn out are the headbangers and they'll be the ones who will vote for, for Donald Trump. I don't think so. I, I, I think... I think- Biden will win. That's my prediction. I'm happy to predict that at the moment, unless there's a huge controversial moment. So if he has a Mitch McConnell moment and just goes dead on Mike, there's a lot of mixing up stuff. Trump's done the same. Yeah. Like in the past and recently. So both of them seem to get a little bit lost. <laughs> so, so and you go, okay, so that's sort of equaled out. You can see Biden's definitely aged and you can see that in his mobility, but it's all the same with Trump. I mean, In China, we also announced $250 billion worth in trade investment deals that will create jobs in the United States. From China, I flew to the city of Da Nang in Vietnam. The water thing? <laughs> I don't understand what that was. But Biden's been less controversial. Um, and there's that whole thing of the greasy pole you know you eventually are going to slip off and you're not going to stay on there forever and you can see that with trump he he just 
he kept hitting different sections of the swing vote and annoying them or saying something controversial or doing something outrageous. And eventually it just sliced away support because everyone went, and everyone was also going, has he done an economic benefit? Sort of did towards the end. But the deregulation always comes back to haunt you because when you deregulate too much, people do really stupid stuff, which ends up causing a national outrage. Yeah, It's no different here. We would, you, you and I were talking about housing earlier. In Norway, you can't rent out your house until it's inspected by the government to make sure the standards are high. Why can't we have that in the UK? Um, sovereignty or something. <laughs> sovereignty of my house. And <laughs> I have the right to have rats inside and they can, if they don't like it, they can... They can choose somewhere else. Of course, they can't. I think there, were, there was a statement the other day saying it's like. But the the free market people would say, or the, the you know the, the libertarians and the conservative party would say, well, you know, if people don't like the house, they can go and find another one. You see, let you the see, market that's decide. Really, that's really interesting because obviously that works if you've got an overabundance of housing. Yeah. Because then it forces the standards up. But when you've got a shortage, it doesn't work. But the interesting thing is, we've got a shortage of workers. And now they don't like that either. And they're all complaining because they're all getting more money and they're able to negotiate more money. But of course, that's not keeping up with inflation, which is another problem. Um, but it's interesting. It, they're never happy. And no one's ever happy in either situation within this system. If you've got too much, someone's losing out, you've got too little, a lot more people are losing out. And they'd rather have the too little situation, from what I can tell. But I think Trump's done, which is a positive note. And I think the Tory party are done. What do, you, what do you think? Are the Tory party done if they go for the UK? Well, they have gone UKIP. Yeah, unless something dramatic happens uh, between now and the next election, I think the Tories are toast. Um, I keep saying it's it's people are voting either for the Tories or against the Tories. And we saw it in the by-election recently. They lost uh, their they lost their, their deposit. Um, the recent by-elections, apart from ULES, uh, they, they lost all the other seats. So they they don't really have a hope and unless something dramatic happens and even the public are turning off on on the like, people are not watching the con- conferences anymore they're just saying look this it's just boring and it's not it's not connecting with us it's amazing to see that at the conference wasn't it so many empty seats yeah on that cheerful note bye 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 Tune in next week for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad. Um, so Iceland is in the Atlantic and the capital is Reykjavik. Is the Australian system both conservative and UKIP or UKIP or conservative? No, can you say that again? <laughs> I, I, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs>